Well, howdy, everybody. It's been a little while since me and Seth were just on here by our lonesome, but here we are again. How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing great. All right, and you'll be used to hearing Seth and James because this is the Worldcraft Club podcast, in case we just turned up on your feed here at the Rando, and we are here to talk about all things world building, and we have a special topic today. Seth, do you know why it's special? I do know why it's special. Why don't you tell him? Tell him, Seth. Tell him. Well, it is special, first of all, because I love it. Oh, yeah. But even more importantly, even more importantly than that, this episode is special because it has been requested. Requested by who? Requested by Dave, one of our patrons. Ah. Did you guys know we have a Patreon page? Yeah, I think we. I don't think we talk about it enough, Seth. I think that's I the don't problem. think we do. <laughs> that's true. We're going to rectify well, that this year. Well, look, we're. We're a little family. Patreon's a little family right now. There's only a few of us, which means that folks who jump in at the $5 limit, which is the limit where the tier where you're going to start like choosing episodes a little bit more right now, what's happening is I'm just kind of reaching out to people in that tier and saying, hey, what do you want us to do? Because that's how it is. It may change later on as we get a little bit bigger. We may have a small selection of episodes that we do and run a poll or something like that. But right now, it's practical for us to just call people up and say, hey, man. What do you want us to do? So if you would like us to reach out to you and say, what's up? What do you want us to cover? We can have a talk about that, right? $5 a month on a Patreon page, you can jump in. If you just want to hear the extra episodes, though, or you just want some early meme access, $2 a month is the lurker setting. So if you jump in on that, you'll just be able to listen to, well, it's one extra episode every month and uh, get access to some early memes. So the topic today is a weird one, right? Like this this when Dave pitched it, I'll admit my first thought was, huh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But as I started to think about it, I honestly kind of lost my mind a little bit because there is so much content here. And that is Mars. Little red planet. Our uh is do we want to say is it our nearest celestial neighbor, our nearest planet? I believe so. Is it closer to us than Venus? I believe it is. I believe so. But, but either way, it's kind of been one of those fixtures in the night sky that has kind of drawn our attention for uh, thousands of years. And yeah, as a result, as long as people have been able to look up. Yeah. And seen that little red dot in the sky. And people have had all kinds of interesting ideas about it. And as a result, there's this there's this plethora of mythology and, and world building and fiction and astrology and theology all surrounding mars so we thought it would be just a great idea to take dave on his word and just dive right into this so seth what, what's the deal with mars mars is a fascinating sort of addition to our fiction mm. and like you said it has been captivating people's minds for thousands and thousands of years yeah ever since the first guy was sitting in the first field and looked up into the night sky and said, hey, that red dot has been here before. Last year around this time, I saw it. Yeah. And then the next year, he sees it again. And then maybe he goes and says, hey, Susie, check this out. That red dot is always there. And so people started to, people started to think up all sorts of things yeah. surrounding that celestial body. And it had all sorts of meanings, and, and people, people attributed it to... Uh, to ill omen and and all sorts of that stuff, you know, all all of those kinds of things, and then eventually named it after a god of war, Mars, the Roman god of war. 
You mean it's not called Kratos? Uh, no. Kratos is the best god of war, though. I... To be fair. <laughs> it's pretty rare. Argue. Arguably, yes. Arguably, <laughs> yes. But it, even after that, even after it had sort of entered entered uh, human knowledge and people understood what it was, pe- you know, astronomers understood what it was, it's still Mars captured our imaginations. Yeah. Ever since people started writing science fiction, Mars has been part of our our fiction. Yeah. I mean, going back all the way to like War of the Worlds, you know, the Martians come and invade Earth, uh, bringing with them all sorts of advanced technology and weapons and eventually are, you know, defeated. And I'm not going to spoil how that that happens, but. I, I feel like, you know, I mean, it's been around for a while, like 1897, I think was when it was written. I, That's true. I feel okay. like you, you've had a bit of time. <laughs> Maybe we can you've spoil had, it. You've had, you've, they die from a cold. They catch a cold, which seems appropriate in the year of Corona, right? right. Like It's like they arrive on the planet and they're like, no, all y'all are sick and they just die. That's how the War of the Worlds ends. Like it's, it's like, yeah. immensely true. disappointing, but seems poignant given the time. Absolutely. But, yeah. So it's a very 2021 story. <laughs> It is. It's very, very appropriate. But but it wasn't just that. So an interesting piece of trivia is that the term aliens in reference to people from outer space or beings from outer space is relatively new. Yeah. Uh, typically, an alien was somebody who was just a foreigner, somebody who wasn't from that land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so before we adopted this term aliens, Martian was actually the most commonly used term and yeah. part of the reason for that is because of of books like uh the john carter of mars series mm. right written by edgar rice burroughs who who wrote this whole series about a guy who is mysteriously transported to mars and finds different civilizations there on mars and this is this idea that there's life there that that beings from mars are going are going to come and interact with us or that we uh or that there are secrets hidden there. You know, it's a really, it's one that's just captivated us for a long time. Yeah, and and I, I think it's been one of those things as well where even, you know, not, not so long ago, we would look at Mar- the Martian landscape and wonder to ourselves like, you know, is that roads I'm looking at? And right. they and, and they point telescopes at him and be like, is that a is that a face? Did somebody carve a face into Mars? And then they would, you know, they look at it and they go, That looks like waterways. Is that irrigation? And we'd right. wonder, you know, was there an ancient civilization on there? Or is there Yeah, that shadow looks suspiciously like a pyramid shadow. Yeah. And you know, it's it's countless works of like science fiction have just revolved around this notion that Mars had some sort of ancient population on it, maybe maybe long dead and gone now. We couldn't imagine how they could have survived, you know, because it, it looks like a, a wasteland on right. there. You know, it's a little red planet, it's not a little blue planet, not a little green planet. It looks pretty darn dead. But we've kind of wondered, you know, is it possible that maybe the inhabitants lived underground or you know, it, it's in, in a lot of video games and stuff, they have it where like ancient races built like research bases on there and were like watching yeah. humans from there. It was like a yeah. convenient place. Because it's like, close, right? It's not yeah. the moon. It's in our stellar it's neighborhood. Close. Yeah, not so close we'd notice it, right? And so it, it was like 
it's even in modern sci-fi like it shows up all the dang time warhammer 40k references it. it's where it's mm-hmm. where the uh, machine the machine cult like comes from and they and yeah the mechanicus yeah and like there's a whole pile of crap that just turns up on mars even in like modern sci-fi but nothing beats the stuff where we were just spitting in the wind and going like what <laughs> yeah. the heck is going on up there like uh you, you, well you, you're, yeah. you're the guy who likes edgar rice bars why don't, why don't uh, you talk a little bit about john carter oh man john carter of mars is is arguably in my top three favorite series not not because not because of how good the books are because yeah. they're not <laughs> But because of the time in my life when I read them, yeah, the the sheer spirit of adventure that they that they capture. So John Carter, I, I and I would really recommend if you've never read them, go read them. They're not long; they're really short. Edgar Rice Burroughs was a Pulp Fiction writer, and so um, if you've hung around this podcast for any length of time, you know that I just love pulp writing, and he was a master. And he pumped these things out like you would not believe. (laughs) They were all released, or the majority of the books were released in magazines in chunks, right? So very sort of TV show-esque in that there are often these cliffhangers that bring you into the next chapter. But John Carter is about a a guy who fought in um, the Revolutionary War and then is suddenly transported to Mars. He has another series called Carson of Venus in which someone who fought in the um, First World War is transported to Venus. But anyway, John Carter of Mars, same, exactly, right? Same stories. John Carter gets to Mars, finds out that he's effectively Superman because the gravity is is lighter there, you know, is not as, is, um, not as intense as Earth. And discovers that not only are there super hot red-skinned natives that look like him of course there are but there are also these giant tusked four-armed green martians who are warlike people and there it's a mixture of ray guns and sword fighting and they have he has a giant dog-like pet with six legs or eight legs or something it's like a spider dog um it's they're amazing they're just absolutely amazing i mean the world craft club's love of pulp is like pretty well established at this point like and it's the zany silliness that really drives me because like even even adventure time has mars in it and in mars there's like this advanced society which is run by abraham lincoln (laughs) and um (laughs) who is just on mars who was introduced as a bit joke in the very first pilot episode where finn is knocked unconscious and while he's unconscious he arrives on uh he 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 finds himself talking to abraham lincoln and abraham lincoln says you've been sent back in time and to mars and he says anyway the point is you have to believe in yourself and then he wakes up and like that and and so they just kept abraham lincoln as the king of mars from that point forward is this See, weird i'm all about it yeah i'm all just, about it just throw crap at the wall sometimes honestly but while 
while so much was unknown, I'm not saying that um, Edgar Rice Burroughs was like, oh yeah, like that's what's going on on Mars, but it didn't seem out of the realm of possibility because today right. what we know about Mars is that there's a rover there that sings happy birthday to itself every year. <laughs> right. This is a distinctly sadder version of Mars. It's like when Mars hits its 40s and looks back on its life and doesn't really know if it achieved what it wanted to. We have a rover that sings happy birthday to itself. Like, congratulations, Mars, you've matured. <laughs> like, But not in a good way. Yes. But not in a good way. Yeah. And and this, you know, this really speaks to something because the more we have discovered about this mysterious neighbor of ours, yeah. the less interesting it is, the yeah. less we care about it, the less we're willing to engage in flights of fancy about what sort of adventure could exist there. Instead, it's a arid wasteland and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we get excited because we're looking at like potentially, you know, ice on the caps. I'm pretty sure that's confirmed now that they've got some mm -hmm. ice there, which is important if we want to establish a colony. But it's become right. this more like kind of a another conquest. There's not mystery to it. So like um, in the same way, at least. Yeah, in the same and, way. but even there, even there, like I don't know anybody who thinks to themselves, we're never going to get to Mars. Yeah. yeah in exactly. the 60s, feels, if somebody yeah. had said, hey, we're going to put a colony on Mars, people would be like, Oh, come on. That's science fiction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now we're like, no, they're testing the rockets and it's going really well. And this is why you get products of that are, are shows like The Expanse that actually deal with the potential of terraforming Mars and what a, what a, an actual like we're, we're kind of asking more questions now about like, really, how can we kind of do this? You know what I mean? Like, what would make this mm -hmm. viable? And we're talking about things like hydroponics. We're talking about, uh, you know, uh, bone growth stimulants and the kinds of things you would need if you were going to mm -hmm. have a long term colony on there and what, you know, kind of shape that would take. And, and it's become these very nuts and bolts questions about human survival in an inhospitable environment. It's become the Wild yeah, West it's, in some ways. But it's, but it's a Wild West that is is less, is asking fewer philosophical questions and it's mm -hmm. asking more engineering questions. Exactly. See, see, like, here's the deal. is like Sheldon Cooper, and so I'm an engineer, and in the Big Bang Theory, uh, Sheldon Cooper refers to the uh, engineers as the Oompa Loompas of science. And... Um, I would counter with engineers build what scientists only dream of. And um, engineers are really where the nuts and bolts hit. And it's where suddenly the theories and ideas and, and kind of flights of fancy of, um, of, you know, kind of scientists and philosophers and, and great thinkers kind of starts to become a question of how do we make a tray table that 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 can change its orientation depending on the acceleration of the drive? You know, like yeah. if, if wherever we're going, if we enable maneuvering thrusters, how do we create a cup that can hold the water in place? Because, you know, you're drinking from a bulb as they do in The Expanse, which is a great TV show. Everybody watched The Expanse. But the um, whole thing about it is like these questions become practical ones. And some of the mystery is lost. So like, yeah. I'm a big fan of the Dishonored series and I know Seth is as well. That's right. And uh, in Dishonored, it is a steampunk magic infused world in which uh, most of the people that the main storyline is concerned with dwell in a small empire that consists of some islands. These islands exist far away from a larger continent called Pandicia, right? So like an interesting thing is Pandicia may actually be rooted in a couple of Greek words uh, where we get the word dystopia and the word where we get the word like panacea or pangea. So like pan means all 
and dis is a is a, a prefix usually meaning bad. So Pandicia might well mean the home of all that is bad. Mm -hmm. And it is this island that is far away and no one knows much about it at all. There's just ideas. And I have just been fascinated with this so much so that I wrote a blog on it a while back. And it's just, I keep coming back to it. It's like at one point we stopped asking the question of is Pandicia like what's what is even there and now we're asking the question okay how do we establish how do we how do we get a foothold there you know what's right. it going to look like to send the ships or what do, what do we trade with the natives that can give us profit back home exactly and those right. questions can be interesting questions and i mean i'm concerned with them like as me and seth have you know we've just come off the back of cyberpunk month i've been diving into loads and loads of stuff with cyberpunk and how to optimize characters and build them out and what will get me the best stuff i love doing that and admittedly as i start to come out of like knowing that uh, i'm starting to get bored of it because now i've kind of understood how the game works i'm a bit like oh yeah that's how that would work okay that's yeah. boring now to me um but they're just different questions. They're not questions that deal with wonder or philosophy or the nature, the nature mm -hmm. of man. They're questions that deal with more nuts and bolts. And I think that's kind of robbed some of the mystery from Mars. Because even like when they released the War of the Worlds as a radio drama, they did a radio drama of it. It freaked the crap out of a ton of people. Like people legit thought that the world was coming to an end for a short time because they listen to the radio drama and understand that if your only source is the radio and you mm -hmm. tune in halfway through some guy talking and they did it giving a news report giving a news report because they made it sound like it was happening right now there were legit people that were honestly horrified at what was taking place because we lived in this time where just anything could happen <laughs> you know like yeah. it, and there was so much unknown yeah and we're losing a little of that when instead we're getting a rover singing happy birthday to itself and that mm -hmm. is there's something about it right and i think it is a bit like growing older right Right. it's a loss like, of innocence exactly. it's a loss of it's a loss of potential for adventure yeah and, and and it's kind of losing that sort of like the mars the problem is is that mars has matured and um, we're left with middle-aged Mars, and we don't have the child Mars that could be anything. We mm -hmm. now we now have the concrete's kind of started setting, says James, as he's just turned 33. So I'm sitting here right now, like kind of <laughs> like, oh yeah, this is what growing older feels like. And you start to realize you're not going to be the best guitarist in the world anymore. Like you don't have time what? to catch up to John Mayer. Like, you know, it's not going to happen. I kept thinking, John Mayer's only eight years older than me. It's like, if I get started right now, I could catch up to him, and I'd be playing at the London Apollo, and it never happened and now i'm pretty sure it's not going to happen and so like that's mars right now it's like it's never going to happen in the way that we hope unless the dust shakes off and it turns out it's just a big space station <laughs> Which <would be> really <laughs> you know but like yes please seems unlikely. I, I will sign up i will <laughs> I sign up right now i want to go explore the crap out of that like go wander around in there i mean you know you're gonna die but like you know listen listen that is the reason that I love conspiracy theories. You know, I made this attachment too. Like I've been thinking about this. Like it's like, a, this is the, this is the thing we're always looking for those connections, right? Like yep. it's, it's super fun and cryptids. Everybody loves cryptids. Everybody wants to know why, why if, 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 if a Loch Ness monster is real, you know? See this, this whole, I think this points to something really vital for a world builder. 
And that is that that too much information, and I know we've talked about this before, but too much information is not always better. Hmm. There isn't anything wrong with saying, hey, we have a we have this neighbor neighboring planet. It, uh, you know, it's pretty much just a red desert. You know, it gets really cold at night and it gets really warm during the day. There's no atmosphere like a person can't survive there. There's, There's nothing wrong with that. Right. There is something wrong, in my opinion, when you're world building. If you don't then throw in the but we've never actually seen the backside of it. <laughs> yeah. There's something that looks suspiciously like a set of pyramids on the o- opposite side, but because of how it ro- it orbits with us, right? We just never get to see that side. Yeah. So, um I I I think you're 100% right and 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 this like links into where I really fell in love with um uh Mass Effect, right? So um, Mass Effect 1 is a little bit like Star Trek, and Mass Effect 2 is a little bit like Star Wars, where like in Star in, in the first one, they're like, okay, you gotta man, you know, the guns overheat if you fire too long, and we're gonna explore the planets, we're gonna drive around, and then uh, we're gonna use the Mako, and we're gonna go look at, you know, strange artifacts on foreign planets, and Mass Effect 2 was like, F it, ray guns. <laughs> like, that, that was like how they ran it. But they made a great storyline. And it was it was super fun. But one of the things I used to love doing, and this was true through all the Mass Effects, was I would go and I would have a look at all of the different planets and read the little descriptions on them, right? Because every once in a while, and and you would find stuff in the old games that would point you to awesome stuff that would happen in later games, which was like the most amazing thing because there's one where they'd say, hey, this is a gas giant of no particular interest, though there is a large, there appears to be a large shape moving in some in the midst of, a, of some distortion and we can't quite seem to get a lock on it we think it's you know we, we don't know what it is if it's a very very shallow locked asteroid or something like they were trying to like figure it out they're like it doesn't really make sense and um and they're like but it's no big deal so you like move on and later on you explore it and it turns out to be a wreck of a re- of a reaper that was that was killed and that's super cool like i love that kind of crap um just throw a little bit in there i don't even think you have to have a good explanation for it but i'll tell you this you can take most of the mars stories from like the last 200 odd years and just say it's alpha centauri (laughs) like that's that's the equivalent now it's like the the next you know the follow-up colony when we become an extra solar yeah well and that's and that's exactly what we've done we have gone from hey the furthest thing we can think of the furthest distance we can think to travel is like mars to hey, let's jump out of our solar system. Let's go visit a neighboring solar system, right? We've sort of exhausted our our, um, our creative options with our solar system because we just know so much about it. 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 we, we, we need, we need a frontier. We always yeah. need, a, we need a frontier for our imaginations. And I, I think it's fine to do that in the worlds you make. Though I'll say this as well, in, in terms of creating tension, um, the Expanse, which is a show you should watch, um, is uh, does a really, really good job at actually turning their world building into sources of tension with known things. So like a good example is this. At one point, several people get injured because um, a bunch of spaceships, for complicated story-related reasons, have to slow down very suddenly. And as a result, everybody gets thrown around in there, and uh, there's a lot of harm done. But it's mostly bruises, contusions, head wounds, things like that. And none of them would be that bad. 
But what they realize is that when contusions happen in an environment where there is no gravity, the blood just pools. Mm -hmm. It doesn't drain and it becomes septic. So suddenly all these bruises became lethal mm-hmm. and they had to find a way to get gravity, uh, some way to get a hold of gravity, which could only be done by spitting a drum. Basically, they had a very, very big, uh, a, a big old drum. It was a ship that was designed to be a generational ship and it had a drum and they were able to spin it and get everybody on board to get them to start getting the medical care. But that created drama and tension in the show. Yeah. So in, in some ways, I just argue that, you know, while we're sitting here saying, you know, hey, look out, you know, always, always add mystery. It's also possible to generate a lot of really great dramatic tension out of things that are known and understood, but yeah. it's research intensive. Like you have to know your stuff to do. Yeah. It. Well, so that's, so that's a great point because we have been, we've been primarily talking about what I would call soft science systems, hmm. right? Soft science stories. Um, because your hard science sci-fi or your hard sci-fi is is really a whole different beast. And and the part of the draw of hard sci-fi is everything being figured out. Yeah. Right? Though though I still I still am of the opinion that those stories are not good because of their world building. Mm. They're good because they have good stories. This is true. Yeah. And I, the, the expanse is one of is is one of those situations where I th- that I mean it's it's essentially a contrivance for the story effectively and the right. re- and and it should be noted here that the reason why everybody gets bruised is because they fly into a weird alien vortex and it stops physics from working right and all their ships stop so like in the midst of this the whole reason that wait it, why do the ships stop and they don't stop well well it was a um so it was it was a slow zone. Um, where it was basically a defense mechanism that just went, oh, the, all these things are moving too fast, and they just went, boom, and just held the ships in place, and then everybody inside them just got shaken like a maraca. Um, Aha. Whenever, yeah, so it was a weird, weird thing, very interesting, but either way, even as I point out, like, oh, this the drama and tension is created by that, it was because weird alien crap was happening that they got into <laughs> that in the first place. So, like, you know, it's it's you can kind of take those points as you will, but gotcha. it's, um, and, gotcha. and the expanse is full of inexplicable alien crap too um but it's it is interesting i'll have to throw throw some youtube videos out there for y'all on the um on the facebook channel but there there's some neat stuff about how the the hard science and the expanse builds that tension but Mm -hmm. the good it wouldn't work if the storytelling wasn't good like the whole thing is the story is good because the story is good for sure so changing the changing the subject here a little bit one of the things that i would love to see more of in fiction that's related to Mars is yeah. an exploration of the mythology, the deities and the mythology surrounding it. So I think that that because of where we live in the culture that we live in, we are pretty far removed from from things like astrology. And I think there's a lot of space still to sort of explore with astrology and and sort of ancient beliefs about Mars and what it means in its different positions and what it means in its different temperature colors yeah. and how the the different planets interact a great example of this recently we saw i think it was Mars and Venus intersecting or Mars and Saturn, or or something. Two planets, Mars being one of them, came so close that they almost appeared to touch. 
Yeah. And then they started moving apart again. And this only happens once every who knows how many years. I would love to see more people exploring the impact of something like that. I think that that's a piece of mystery that can be thrown into the world that we really don't have a lot of contact with. People just don't have a lot of contact with the information regarding astrology. Part of that, again, is because we just live in a culture where we like astrology is not a big deal for us. Right. Whereas if you grew up in Asia or you grew up in Africa, it might mean something more to you. Mm. But for Western audiences, I think there's a huge, huge opportunity and huge potential for incorporating astrology in some way, shape or form and incorporating like Mars. Right. And the impact that it has on on the world that, that you're building. Yeah, I, I, I think um I think if essentially what you seem to be advocating for here is is just add like a bit of the mystical back into it and effectively yeah. just yeah, kind yeah. of like allow it to be magical and don't necessarily feel like you have to be tied into our present scientific understanding of it. Like can you can you bring Mars back into its childhood like that? Like to to be honest, like I'm not sure you can. Like I I feel like that that ship has sailed. And, Do you uh, think so? Yeah, yeah, and I feel a certain melancholy for it. You know, like it's not—it's not a bad thing. It's just the thing. You know, things change. But, I'm gonna have to do it now. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> game. I'm game. If you—if you want to throw it together, like prove me wrong. But like, I—I I hear you, man. A certain I hear sorrow for its passing, but I also I hear think you. that there's like, a reason. There's a reason that I have not picked up the John Carter of Mars series for many years. They sit on my shelf, and I look at them. And I remember them incredibly fondly. And occasionally I do actually, I have in the last two years gone back and referenced them for a specific, for a specific uh, mechanic that Edgar Rice Burroughs uses. But I don't, I don't read them anymore because like you said, I, yeah. the mystery has gone. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like, even as we end on kind of like a, a bitter note here, what, what do you, what do you all think? Like, is Mars done for the mystical for now? Does it need to be an engineering problem or can it still be a philosophical and mystical one? I think for me, there's a sense in which I, I, I feel, um, kind of a bittersweetness about the change. I love the expanse. Everyone should watch the expanse, but like, uh, I also, I miss John Carter, you know, like I miss Mars, God of War. I miss us wondering what effect it would have on us if Mars inched, but a little closer and wondering if uh, beings from afar were watching us and waiting for mm -hmm. their next move. Um, there's something about that. I remember standing on the edge of Lake Erie one time and I just looked out over it and thought it was so beautiful. But I thought to myself, like, I miss an era where we thought dragons might be out there. Yeah, you know, like they, we maybe just haven't found them yet. I miss Pandesia, and uh, it's weird to long for a place you haven't been to. Uh, speaking of which, C.S. Lewis did some stuff on Mars as well. Sorry, Dave, you specifically asked for that, but you ain't getting it. <laughs> we, we might, we might swing back to that in a, at, at a later date because I think Mars is an interesting topic. But for and now, frankly, we should just do an episode on C.S. Lewis and his world building. It'd be so. interesting. Be interesting. I'd be down for that because uh, I, I, I'm actually not a strong proponent of C.S. Lewis's world, so I'm, I've never been a fan. But um, I will leave us there and let Dave fight me later for making for <laughs> profaning the name of C.S. Lewis. This has been another episode of the World Craft Club for James and Seth. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for joining the World Craft Club podcast. Please go ahead and like us, subscribe to us on your preferred app. And if you use iTunes, rate us five stars if you think we're worth the rating. It really helps our numbers. 
If you're listening here, you're missing out on half the content along with loads of other goodies. So please consider becoming an exclusive club member at our Patreon page, starting at as low as $5 a month. If you have any questions, you can go ahead and jump on our webpage, worldcraftclub.com, to get the latest updates on our blog. We're also available on Twitter and Instagram. This has been the Worldcraft Club podcast. Thank you for listening.